time for your week daily look at the NBA and your Charlotte Hornets. It's time for the Hive O'Clock Alarm. Oh, that sounds amazing. Well, the good news is the Hornets not only survived February, they thrived with a chance to make waves in the Eastern Conference at home in March. The bad news is they ended their five-game road trip yesterday afternoon with a loss to the Atlanta Hawks, 87-76 in Atlanta. The Hornets got off to an aggressively bad start, finishing the first quarter shooting only 10% and scoring nine points. The Hornets would claw their way back into the game, though, in the second half, cutting the lead down to five in the third quarter on the back of four threes from Marvin Williams. He'd finish the game with 16 points and nine rebounds. But the Hornets couldn't finish off an early fourth-quarter run. They finished their road trip 3-2 and two and head back to Charlotte to play Phoenix on Tuesday night. This was a tough way to finish February, but they did claw their way back into the game. Does this qualify as a bad loss, David? It was a bit of a dud, Doug. Um, a dud, Doug. Um, you know, you can't get off to have a, that poor of a start and expect to to really win that game against a good team. So, I mean, from that perspective, it's a disappointing loss, and it's a bad loss because it just wasn't the performance you wanted to see, especially since the road trip had gone so well. You know, there was a lot of momentum in, uh, going in their favor, and then to come out so just extremely flat, uh, something we hadn't seen in, in a couple of weeks was was disappointing. But I think overall, you mentioned the road trip was a good one, and, and that was something they, they had to have, wanted to have to uh, get kind of kick-started towards the end of this season. So it was good, but certainly not something they wanted to end on in the fashion they did. Yeah, you can count on one hand the number of players that were really ready to play. Marvin Williams, I think, was one. Jeremy Lin, Jeremy Lamb, the Super Jeremy brothers, both played well off the bench. Are you surprised that Coach Clifford went away from Lin early in that game and didn't really come back to him, I think, until the end of the third quarter. Um, you know, it's individual substitutions and in games, I guess. It, I, don't know. I don't know that anything surprises me these days. Um, but I guess in that situation, they needed something to go right. So you'd think you'd, you'd stick with the hot hand. I don't know. What, what did you think? Were you yeah. – maybe he was just trying to find something that worked or, you know. I, I, I felt like at, at that point in the game, or early on when they when they really couldn't buy a bucket, I felt like Len and Lamb were two guys who looked like they had a lot of energy, a full head of steam towards the rim and could mm-hmm. convert some easy buckets, even though I believe Len missed a couple of free throws. I just didn't – I didn't understand why th- those guys only got 20 minutes. And, and really, I, I look at the uh, the shooting guard position right now as something that's very interesting to keep an eye on because Courtney Lee only got 22 minutes. There really is a lot of split time between Lee, Lynn, and Lamb. And, and how that shakes out, I think, will be interesting over the next uh, few weeks. Yeah, and that might be something to that, Doug, that you mentioned that. I mean, look, that game – could have got out of hand early. Uh, they did fight their way back, but it could have been one of those things where he was just trying to, you know, see what worked, throw something against the wall, get some other minutes for other guys. I mean, who knows? It was it was not your typical game in the way they wanted it to go. But, um, you know, it should be noted that they got it all the way back to two. <laughs> they made it super interesting. Uh, but it was just not a fun game for us that uh, Sunday afternoon for them. Yeah, I mean, the Hawks, I think, were locked in defensively but weren't always locked locked in at times offensively. They turned the ball over quite a bit. 
So, you know, when you're playing a team that is very good defensively, you have to bring your A game, and it's a tough loss for the Hornets because now they do not own the tiebreaker against the yeah. Atlanta Hawks, and, and that's tough, you know, as we go into March and then, and then into April. You know, you can count the teams now that the Hornets do not own the tiebreaker of with, and that's Atlanta and Boston. And so it makes that game coming up in against Indiana uh, very important. But they have to win these games against uh, Eastern Conference opponents who are close to them in the standings because as tight as this race is now, I expect it to be tight in April, and they're going to have to count on those kind of games and those kind of tiebreakers. To It could possibly mean getting home court advantage, getting that fourth seed as opposed to to being in that bottom four. So it's 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 interesting. David, I want to ask you about this too. Batum, Nick Batum and, and Al Jefferson have both struggled over the past two contests. Who are you more concerned with in terms of performance and, and long term? I'm less concerned with Batum, I think, just because, you know, he's given you actually about the same thing he's given you the you know, the rest of his career, about fourteen and I don't know, six or seven rebounds, something like that. Um, but he's entrenched in what this team is doing and has been involved more than Al throughout this season. Now, obviously, Al's been involved going back to his addition here. But I think just the style of play, the way it's changed, what the Hornets have had success doing, you got to have a little more concern with how Al is just going to you know, come back and fit in, what part he is going to play. Uh, I'm not overly concerned with either one. I mean, they were they they're three and two since Al's return. He had two pretty good games in there, and then the last two have not been so great. So, I mean, we thought it was going to be a bit situational for Al and the Hornets for the duration of this season. So, I mean, I guess if you're going to pick one, it would be Al. What do you think on that? Actually, I'm going to play devil's advocate here this morning and pick Nick Batum. And here's why I'm concerned. because yeah. I'm not concerned with the – the offense, the scoring, because he's shown an ability to – that was the big question coming in. Could he step up his offensive ability and, and be a primary scorer? I think he's shown that. What I'm starting to be concerned about in terms of do the Hornets offer this guy a max contract are the, the careless turnovers, the careless mistakes oh, yeah. on defense. And it's one of those things where you go, oh, is this a playmaking turnover or a careless turnover, and more and more I'm seeing careless turnovers. And I'm just I'm just concerned. I'm not saying that the Hornets should not offer him a max contract because I think there are plenty of teams out there, Toronto being number one on the list, that will go after Batum and go after him hard in the offseason. But I'm just, if, if I'm being honest with myself, when I watch that performance with Batum again, and he played 38 minutes. I mean, he played a ton of minutes. He shouldered a lot of the load. But there are just little moments here and there where I go, man, is this guy – is this guy a max contract guy? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the turnovers have been an issue all year. I mean, that's been the one thing that's spiked for him uh, since coming over to the Hornets. And I suppose you could say, well, he's obviously, I guess he's more focal or, or at least higher on the pecking order yeah. when it comes to the offense. So, I mean, maybe that's expected. But those turnovers that he's doing are, are you know, something you look at and say, well, what's going on? Is this just a mental lapse? Is it yeah, – he's obviously not trying to turn it over. But some of them are really bad, and they've been there all year. So that's been a concern. And I suppose once you get towards looking at the playoffs, I mean – and and like you said, figuring out if they're going to give him that big contract, it, it comes down to can they depend on him? I think they can. They just you know they got to cut down those turnovers. Yeah, and and I think what we're saying is you just want to see some growth. 
you know, you want to see right. the, the tide turn around. I know it's a short period of time, but as we head into March and April under these clutch, you know, these, these crucial situations that the Hornets are going to be up against, you want to see some of these things start to turn. And because really that's the only time the Hornets are going to have to see that growth because then the off season mm-hmm. comes and he, he's, he's fair game to every other team in the NBA. Uh, so the Hornets sit in seventh place. They are all locked up with the Chicago Bulls who have lost their past two games and then the Pacers, Hawks and heat above them. But again, there's still only two and a half games out of the fourth seed, uh, three and a half games out of the third seed. So there's a lot left to be spoken for in this Eastern Conference. Again, the Hornets uh, take on the Phoenix Suns. It's 90s Nickelodeon night at Time Warner Cable Arena on Tuesday, 7 o'clock tip. We'll see you on Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. on HiveTalkLive.com. It's Hive Talk Live on Tuesdays. Follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. Enjoy your day, Hornets fans. All hail the teal and purple.